Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Businesses need the right HCM technology systems in place to allow them to operate at full capacity and in the best interests of their employees. Before you embark on your next HCM technology purchase, listen to this episode for inspiration around defining an HR service delivery model, creating an HCM technology strategy, defining system evaluation and selection processes, undertaking system implementations, and what to expect post-implementation. Hey, this is Bill Bannum, host of this episode of the HR Chat Show. And in this HR Chat, I talk with Jacqueline Kuhn, co-owner and executive vice president, strategic services at H Architect. And she's also the author of the new book, H Architect's Guide to HCM Technology, what you should know before your next HCM technology purchase. Among other topics today, Jacqueline will talk about what's needed to apply one's HCM tech know-how within your organization in practical ways that will make an immediate positive impact. Jacqueline, welcome to the HR Chat Show today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So beyond my wee introduction there, Jacqueline, why don't you take a minute or two uh, to introduce yourself and tell our listeners more about H Architect. Sure. Uh, I have been in the HCM technology industry since the inception of it in the late 80s. Um, right, I have uh, been working for large corporations uh, in the U.S. Um, and for large corporations globally. Within the last 12 years, I have focused my career on helping clients figure out what technology they need to support the business and then helping them purchase that. And that's really what I do at H Architect as one of the owners of the company. We are dedicated to working for our clients as a vendor neutral consulting firm where we help people understand what the trends are in HR technology, help them define their requirements for their business, and then match them to software products in the marketplace. Wonderful. Now then, as, as I mentioned in my introduction, you, you've recently published a book, H Architect's Guide to HCM Technology. Uh, Jacqueline, what inspired the book? And at a high level, because we will be getting into some of those lessons uh, throughout today's chat, but at, at, at a high level, what can folks expect to learn from reading it? What really inspired me to write the book was my experience in working with leaders in HR who really didn't understand the power of technology, how it can help them be more strategic, and how it can actually help drive business results. Uh, People in general think of HR technology as I have to get my paycheck or enroll in my benefits, and it's really much more than that. So I really want folks who read the book to understand that this is a strategic business application and you need to think about it that way. And in thinking about it that way, what are all the facets that have to be considered when you're looking to purchase, including what you really need to think about after the purchase is done and after you've implemented it and how do you own it and keep your total cost of ownership uh, relevant, valid and affordable. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So maybe you can um, you can explain to me now a little bit more about who who uh, should be reading your book, um, and perhaps you can answer that in 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 the context of who should be the key stakeholders involved in in the research side, the selection, the and the implementation stages. Um, where does or should the HR department perhaps fit in within that? Yeah. So the book 
the book is a plain read, about 70-ish pages, and anyone in HR who is either supporting, maintaining, or looking to buy technology should really read the book. Um, it, it will really give you the understanding of how all of the areas of HR impact the HR professional, the finance professional, the operations professional, um, and, and really talk about how, as a business, you need to involve all of your business leaders in the process of purchasing technology. If we think about HR as a service to the organization, like any other good service organization, you need to understand what your customers want. And that's really what the book sort of helps you understand is you are not using technology for HR's sake. You're using it for the business sake. And you really need to bring in all of your business stakeholders to understand what they want from HR so you can understand what technology you need to support the processes you're going to need to put in place uh, based on business needs. Okay, super. So um, lack of understanding then it sounds like would be a big barrier to entry. But uh, what, what else? What, what do you see as, as, as some of the bigger barriers to selecting and implementing new HCM technology systems w within organizations? Yeah, the, um, the biggest barrier we see is just the desire of HR to be in control and not to relinquish control of data and processes to the folks in the business. Um, there's a fear that if a manager or an employee gets too involved in a process, they're going to do something wrong, the data will be wrong. HR has been a control function for much of its history, and having to release this control, huge barrier. The second barrier is the inability of HR people to really build a business case and um, understanding that the business case is not a business case for HR, it's a business case for the business. Um, I, I cannot tell you how many HR people we talk to that don't understand how their organization makes money and therefore they can't build a business case that the CFO and others can get behind. And the last real barrier to selecting and implementing is resources. I don't think people understand what the resource commitment is to um, undertake this kind of endeavor. And so the, one of the chapters in the book really talks about what do you need in your organization? What people and resources do you need in your organization in order to select, implement, and support the application? Okay, let's let's hone in a bit more on on the second piece that you mentioned there okay so we we spoke about uh, aptitude for or maybe attitude towards um relinquishing power <laughs> that's that that could be a whole podcast discussion on its own i think um and and you spoke that the third there was resources number two though uh, building that business case jacqueline you, you've suggested previously that there are three key levers for building a business case for any hcm tech project the, the question for you is what are they so the, the three business case levers are risk, productivity, and cost. On the risk pillar, you're really looking at the risks of remaining on the platforms you have today, as well as the risks you might be mitigating 
by moving to a new platform and or the risks you would be taking on in implementing a new platform. Having a risk pillar for your business case really talks to the CEO and CIO as a part of their job every day is managing business risk. The cost component is a strict financial cost, right? What it costs you to support, maintain, and pay for the applications in use today, what is it going to cost you to do that and implement the applications that you are looking for? So it's most important pillar and the pillar that most HR professionals probably miss is the productivity pillar. What this is saying is how many hours are we spending today doing things that will no longer be relevant with a new application stack? And it's typically a savings of hours and really having to identify across the entire HR spectrum, what are you doing and how are you spending your time? It is really common for us to see our clients realize you know, two to four FTEs of potential productivity savings when you really look at what this application, what a new application stack is going to provide you. So you pull, pull the three pillars together to kind of say, all right, we're mitigating risk, we're either investing in applications because we're underinvested today or we're saving money because we're overspending and we're going to be more productive as an organization and we can decide what to do with those FTEs. Many people decide to not backfill them when attrition happens. Some people decide to redeploy or not hire new people that they may have needed. But risk, productivity, and cost um, together will solidify a business case that your CEO, CFO, and CIO will support. Wonderful. I hope you are taking notes, listeners. You're getting all your answers here today. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't still buy the book, though, by the way. Um, okay, quick follow-up on that one, Jacqueline. What, when can the business case be made for best-of-breed or point solutions versus all-in-one? It can always be made if your requirements to support the business are such that uh, the applications you're looking at will meet those needs. So um, a point solution is always going to make sense if you have a very unique business need that the best, that the single solutions can't support. And if you take your framework of, we need to do it this way because our business needs to operate this way, whether it be in learning management, we need to make sure we have compliant training so we mitigate our risk in a manufacturing plant, or whether our performance it needs to be done this way because we want 360 feedback, we want just-in-time feedback, right? How do your business leaders want to manage their business? Map those requirements to what vendors can do, and it's very easy to justify um, an individual app, a best-of-breed app, um, as opposed to going with an all-in-one. What new HCM technology-related innovations are you seeing in the marketplace that HR leaders should be checking out in 2022? Because it's going to make their lives so much better. There are a couple of innovations that I think would absolutely make a difference. The first one is AI in recruiting. 
um, if if you are not using AI to screen applicants, to interview applicants, um, and make sure that you're only looking at those who are qualified, um, you are not recruiting for the 21st century. Um, that's and and with the labor market the way it is, and with the war on talent the way it is, um, you don't have time to be sifting through hundreds of, of resumes. So AI for recruiting is a must-have. It's no longer a trend. It's the innovation everybody should be taking advantage of. The next innovation everybody needs to be taking advantage of is the new workforce planning tools that are being rolled out so that you can understand, particularly in this workforce that we're dealing with, who, who you have, what they can do, when they are working, and where they are working. Um, if you do proper workforce planning um, and you get the right candidates in the door, you definitely will see your attrition reduce because you will have the right fit people doing the right stuff. Um, and that's really um, what makes operations tick. So shameless plug here, listeners from yours truly. Uh, I host another podcast called the uh, People and Performance Podcast, where we focus on workforce planning. So please do check that one out as well. Um, hey, I just want to pull you up, Jacqueline, on, on your, your mention there of AI and recruiting. To, to what extent should that be used? Because I speak to a lot of people on this show and, and they they maintain that um, AI is still potentially subject to, to biases. It is, is AI recruiting a tool that should be used to substitute certain functions to augment certain HR functions, uh, certain, certain talent functions? Or do you think actually that the reality is that the technology has come so far that it can do most of the job? Yes, I believe that if you're using AI to assess a candidate as whether or not you move it forward, it is a valid replacement for those assessment tests you've been giving people. Um, I believe assessment tests are more biased than the AIs, um, and AI is a little more natural way because uh, most of the, the best AIs out there are literally interviewing people and recording the results of those interviews, right? And and marking that, because the assessment tests, um, for people who don't test well, um, they fail, right? They don't know, they, they come up short. So where I see AI as being a must have is in replacing those online assessments that people are doing that number one, also um, discourage candidates because they sometimes take a long time. And people who do not test well um, really perform poorly on those as well. Okay, cracking. So uh, this show that we are recording today uh, is going live in early December, uh, which means that as folk listen to it in early December, because I'm sure they're all uh, waiting with bated breath to get it as soon as they can, um, it, it means that last month in November, uh, you, you you had a, a BWG Connect fireside chat with a chap called Greg Irwin, who's the COO over at BWG Strategy. And, and the session included consideration of, and, and I had to bring this up in our interview because I, I love the term, key wildcards to monitor in the HRIS market heading into 2022. Jacqueline, can you tell me more about the, the discussion and some of the big trends and, and some of those potential wildcards that you identified? Yeah, so we talked about the AI for recruiting and we talked about workforce planning in that call, so I won't repeat that. 
we all talked about um, how learning, um, learning management tools and learning management systems are top of mind and front of center. Um, they're certainly not anything new or innovative, but organizations are investing more because they know they need to develop people in order to retain them. So making sure that the right learning content, the right learning tools, that they're mobile enabled, top and front of center. The wild cards we really talked about were what's going to happen in the industry um, now that we have all of these HCM vendors with mature products, when you look at Workday and UKG and Ceridian and Oracle and SAP, they all have very mature products. They, no, no product could be called, you know, brand new. Um, Workday's been out since 08. UKG's been out since basically 05. Ceridian 2012. I mean, they're, they're all mature products. And, is there going to be someone to come up next year with something truly new and innovative to challenge them? Um, I, I think that's kind of where HR is at, is if you bought 10 years ago, you're kind of on a platform that is now mature, and if you're looking for something new, there really isn't anything new out there in the HR, the core HCM realm you're really kind of looking at maybe it's an app. Maybe it's something like Mango Apps you put on top of your HCM. Maybe you go out and buy um, another application stack to complement your HR. But it's really like what 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 is going to be new? You know, if you don't like the HCM you're on today and you want to move and you're on a workday, where do you go? As people are looking at their next cloud HCM purchase um, and evaluating what's out there against who may they have purchased originally. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, let's talk about budgets. So budgets have, have been decided by this point, of course. Well, what have you seen regarding uh, setting budgets for, for, for next year? Did, did people free up money to purchase? And if so, what were they buying? What we're seeing um, in people's budgets are they're on their third renewal of their original cloud purchase, uh, you know, six, seven years ago, and they have now released budget to evaluate the marketplace and potentially implement something new. So folks who are look who are reluctant to renew because until they do a market scan have budgeted for the market scan, not necessarily the purchase. What they have budgeted to purchase are more talent products a better compensation tool, right? A better way to manage compensation, a better way to market price. Those those individual strategic functions in HR that really add business value. Um, a lot of people now are really talking about succession planning. Um, we are hitting the key years where baby boom retiring out. Um, and having succession plans really means something different now that we're in a remote hybrid workforce than it did before. Um, and so people are now really looking to invest in those tools that help them understand what do we really need for these jobs? Um, have the jobs materially changed given the working world today? Um, and once our folks who retire out in the next year or two, we'll see major retirements 
do we have the right people to backfill them? Um, and that's really what I'm hearing strategic leaders think about is, okay, we're going to see a big exodus of knowledge workers and people who have been leading our organizations and how do we backfill them? How do we prepare the next level um, person to be the new leader for 2023 and beyond? I'd love to ask you just one more question and um, it's quite a biggie. So take your time. Um, and it's uh, what makes you guys different from, from other consulting firms out there in the markets. And, and also um, as, as part of that answer, maybe you want to share with our listeners how, how they can connect with you personally. Um, so maybe through LinkedIn, maybe you want to share your email address, et cetera. Perhaps you're on TikTok, who knows? Um, and, and also how can they learn more about HR architect? Sure. We, we are different from other consulting firms in that we are management-owned, uh, vendor-neutral. Uh, myself and my two partners are the only ones who own the organization. We are not beholden to a venture capital firm. We're not beholden to any vendor for our revenue stream. Our revenue stream comes 100% from our clients. So if our clients aren't happy, um, we don't get new clients and we, we fall apart and we will be celebrating our um, 25 year anniversary being in business next year and we're super excited about that. Um, how can you learn more? I am on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Kuhn and that's K-U-H-N. Please find me on LinkedIn. Go to our website, hrarchitect.com. Um, you can uh, click on there to get more information, um, as well as the book is available on Amazon. If you just uh, do a search for HR Architects Guide to HCM Technology, you can find the book on Amazon, and all my contact information is there as well. Awesome. And there will, of course, be links to uh, where you can find the book on Amazon and to the company and to Jacqueline within uh, within the show notes, listeners, as always. Um, so that just leaves me to say for today, uh, I'm sorry because this seems like it's gone way too fast, but thank you so much, Jacqueline, for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.